Good morning and welcome to our new series that we're calling Christmas List this year. Now, you're probably asking the question, why in the world are you doing this so early? I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving. It's the week before Thanksgiving. And let me tell you the reason. I was in Chattanooga last week, two weeks ago now, and um, when I pulled up to the house we were staying in, thank you, Joyce and GJ, amazing place. When I pulled up, your neighbor already had their Christmas lights everywhere. If you want to know the truth, it's a little bit overwhelming. But what I've realized is that we no longer wait for certain holidays to pass before we start celebrating the other holidays. So we're starting Christmas list early. And I'm wondering, did you ever make a Christmas list when you were little? I mean, did you ever write down to Santa what you wanted? What did you put on them? Toys, computers, bikes, candy? I mean, we ask for such mundane things when we're little, don't we? Now, my kids didn't really make all that many Christmas lists. They did a few times, but my kids were never ones that really believed in the whole concept of Santa for a couple of reasons. Number one, it it's, just wasn't something that we ever pushed when, we were, when I was growing up and certainly when our kids were growing up. But secondly, really, it's because we were too lazy. We would get a gift. We're not going to hide it. We're going to put it under the tree because we liked the way that that looked. And they realized pretty quick that Santa's not coming to our house for weeks at a time every single day as the gifts would begin to grow and grow. It's not like we had that many gifts, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So they figured out pretty quickly that, you know, maybe writing a, a list to Santa is not the way to do it. But now they do those Amazon wish lists so we can go see what it is that they want. Sometimes they do those collaborative notes on their iPhones so that we can all see what they're adding to. And some of my kids add to them daily as Christmas comes up. So Christmas lists are a thing, and, and you probably have made them sometime in your life. But what if God made a Christmas list for us? And that's really the premise of this series. What would God want for us this Christmas? Of course, there is the understanding of the story of Jesus. And yeah, we'll look into that certainly as we get closer. I'm not trying to diminish that or undermine or underplay that. But... What do you think might God want for us through the grander narrative of Scripture? Why begin before Thanksgiving? Again, because we've already seen the Christmas lights, so it's time. And by the way, let's stop calling Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. Let's call it Feast Giving, shall we? And I love the idea of being thankful. Although 2020 is a tough one, I think we can all agree. I also want to say that you deserve a feast for Thanksgiving. It has been a tough year and we all need a moment to sit at the table and lose our minds, reflect any good food. And by the way, God loves a good feast. I don't know if you know this, but in Leviticus, there are seven feasts and they all point to Jesus. So let's go through them real quickly. Number one is the feast of Passover. Leviticus 23, four through eight. This feast remembers that last plague in Egypt when the angel of death passed over the children of Israel who applied blood of the lamb to their doors. The Israelites took a bundle of hyssop and dipped it into the blood in the basin at the threshold. And some even said they made the sign of the cross. I don't know if that's biblically accurate or not, but that is traditionally the way people think and the way that it leads us towards Jesus. The second feast is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This comes from, to us in Leviticus 23, 6. This is the seven-day feast that begins on the day following the start of Passover. And in the haste of the Israelites to leave Egypt, there was no time to add leaven or yeast to their bread. 
So during this time, remembering the hardships of Egypt and how God freed them from captivity, the Jews eat nothing that has leaven in it. And this reminds us of their escape from Egypt, which reminds us of our escape from sin through Jesus. Then there's the Feast of the First Fruits, Leviticus 23.10. The Feast of the First Fruits is one of the three Jewish harvest feasts to thank and honor God for all that he has provided. Although they didn't know it at the time, the children of Israel were celebrating what would become a very important day. Number four is the Feast of Weeks. We see this in Leviticus 23.16. This feast is the second of the three harvest feasts. It occurs exactly seven weeks after the first Feast of the First Fruits. That's hard to say, Feast of the First Fruits. So it's also called Pentecost, which means 50 days. Traditionally, people were expected to bring the first harvest of grain to the Lord, including two leavened loaves of bread. Now, obviously, we still celebrate Pentecost in the Christian church because of what happened when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and the apostles in the book of Acts. Now, number five is the Feast of Trumpets, Leviticus 23-24. In a beautiful declaration, God commands his people to rest. During this time, all regular work is prohibited and men and women present a food offering to God. Now, we celebrate a type of feast each week when we talk about the Sabbath, but on this Thanksgiving or feast giving or whatever you want to call it, I think you should blow a trumpet and rest after you've eaten. Now, number six is the Day of Atonement. This one you know, Leviticus 16, 23, and 20, Leviticus 16, also chapter 23, verses 26 through 32. And this is to make atonement or to make restitution for the wrongs that were committed. It's a day of humility and repentance to God. It was a time for the Jews to get their hearts, consciences, and lives right before God. The observance involved the sacrifice of animals as the high priest entered the Holy of Holies. Then the high priest did there, what the high priest did there um, was that he offered an annual payment for their sins and they found a scapegoat, of course, which we understand the tie-in to Jesus. And lastly is the Feast of Tabernacles or booths. This is Leviticus 23, 34. This celebration always follows the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrates God's provision and protection for the people of Israel during their 40 years wandering in the wilderness. For the seven days of the feast, and we should do some more seven-day feasting, the people live in temporary structures like they did in the wilderness. And the Lord himself was with the Israelites in the desert in a tented temple called the Tabernacle or the Sanctuary. So the feast also celebrates his presence as the tabernacles dwell within us. So feasting is seriously endorsed by scripture and by God. So have at it this week. Become unhinged in your ability to feast together. But remember, we have some resolutions coming up towards the end of the year. So you may want to, you know, keep a lid on it a little bit. But all that to say, back to the Christmas list. Have you ever wondered what God might want for his people in the world? If he were making a list for us, what would it be? I think he would want a table. Let's use that metaphor of the table, right? Because at table, often great things happen, especially around Thanksgiving, especially around feast times. There's three things that I think are really important that happen. And these are the three things that I think God would first put on his Christmas list. The first is reconciliation. This is the first thing that happens around a table. We all sit in proximity to one another, often when we haven't been together in a long time. 
Some years this can be particularly hard. But we know God wants this, and we can find it from three different stories in the book of Luke. And we're not going to look at each one because you know them, but it's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. In these three parables, we begin to see the desire that God has for us to be reconciled to his community with the sheep, to him with the coin, and to family with the son, and ultimately to him as well. So let's look at the stories real quick. We'll just look at um, at them in a kind of cursory fashion, because you know these. Luke 15 is what we'll be reading. The New Living Translation, as you know, it begins like this. The tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. He was an equal opportunity teacher, right? Um, he, was the, he was the first century equivalent to a MOOC as opposed to paying tuition, right? A massive online course that you can take and learn something from. So Jesus would teach anybody. But of course, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even feasting, let's not say eating, let's say feasting with them. Jesus loved to feast. And he liked poking a bear a little bit, so he didn't mind feasting with people that weren't necessarily um, the best of society, shall we say. So Jesus hearing them complains, he tells them this story. And he says this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now we all know this story, so, you know, we don't need to delve too deeply into it. A couple of things, though. Number one, this guy's got a huge flock. A hundred sheep is a lot. And number two, there's an assumption of love. When he has found the sheep, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. There's an assumption of love and an assumption of care. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And a joyful revelation that all things have been brought together again, we see. And then there's this little bit of editorial. It says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is the point. His Christmas list includes joy that comes from reconciliation. But friends, reconciliation is sometimes a process. And over the last few years and few months, certainly, some of us have broken relationship with family and friends because we disagree on things. So understand that reconciliation is a process. It's not always fast. It's not always easy. But we do have to continue to work towards that. And I have seen some people in my life as well, people that I'm, I'm you know, there's, there's people that I sometimes am ready to write off. And I've seen others that I love just say, no, we're going to stay in these relationships. Reconciliation is a process. Getting to know someone again after an absence or a disagreement is important, but it's hard. While there is joy, there is also a weariness and pain that is often uncovered. Take your time in the reconciliation process, but I do believe it is one of those things that God would have written on his Christmas list. Reconciliation. The second one is revelation. I think another thing that God wants for us is a revealing, a better understanding of who he is. And at the end of time, he sets a place for us to understand him more. I'm going to actually read from Revelation chapter 19. It says, Then I heard again what sounded like the, the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of a loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. There's such a revealing there. This is there's knowing in those rituals that we do together, if you remember what I talked about last week. And there was a revealing when we sing 
to God and of God. Revelation 19.7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and the bride has prepared herself. We are all called back to the feast with God to be in proximity and therefore to know him more, a revealing. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Even the deeds of God's people are revealed through this wearing of the white robe. We see the first fruits of God's labor in the world through this, through his people. What are the first fruits that God is revealing to the world through you? And then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, Though these are the true words that come from God. You see, these people who are singing his praises are continually blessed. And that table, again, is a revealing of who God is, his deeds and his goodness, both through his people and who he is himself. There's reconciliation at the table. There is a revealing at the table of who God is and the good works that he's done. And there is a recognition at the table. Amen. We're actually going to jump back to Genesis chapter 1. Now, you know, last week we talked a little bit about the fall in Genesis chapter 3 and the knowing. But now let's jump back to Genesis chapter 1. It said, Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed bearing plant through the earth and all the fruit trees for your good. There's a recognition that God has given us something as gift. Even from the very beginning, seed bearing, that concept is very important. Do you know that that Hebrew thought is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil did not have seeds? So it was not a continually replenished resource? And that's why God said, don't go to it? If seed-bearing plants were given to us, it was so that God could continually recognize that we needed his provision. It's our recognition of our choice also to obey him by letting us know that the seed-bearing plants were what we could have. Genesis 1.30 And I have, given a, I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals and birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. God is recognizing the first human's actual place in the world because he gives them good things that they have dominion over, as God says. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Genesis 1:31. We know this story. But he recognized the goodness of his creation. God's Christmas list includes reconciliation, revelation, and recognition. But there is a question we have to ask ourselves, which is how will you add those things to your Christmas list in the world today? How will you seek reconciliation with those that you have not agreed with, with those that you have argued with, those that have become divisive in our lives? Again, it's a process. We move slow. Secondly, how will you reveal God into the world? How will you be able to continually show people who God is so that they might have what we call an epiphany, 
right? An aha moment where they say, Eureka, I found it. I know who God is because I've seen him through you. At the end of time, we see God being revealed to and through his people. And in the same way, how is God being revealed through you in this season that we call Christmas? how you treat people, the gifts that you give people, the way that you interact with people, all those things reveal who God is. If we say we're followers, then people will be watching to see what it is that we are conserving from that God and giving to the world. And lastly, we see two things in the recognition at least. One, that God is recognizing what we need and providing for us. Recognition begets provision, but also how we are recognizing our desire to follow God. What I mean by that is in Genesis 1, 29 through 31, God says, all of these things are yours. There's one thing that's not, but all of these things are yours. If you obey me, all these things come to you easily. And what he wanted us to do is recognize that he has provided for us and then recognize that our ability to obey him continues that provision without break. If you remember in Genesis 3, the consequences of the fall, of us not recognizing the good that comes from God, the, the consequences was that we would labor in the dirt and that even in birth there would be labor pains. Do you remember that? Yes, God provided a way for us, even back in Genesis 3.15, where he, he us, promises us his offspring that would ultimately beat Satan. But still, there was this recognition that was needed that we unfortunately forgot about. We did not recognize our need to obey God. God's going to put a lot of things on his list over the next few weeks. But if we can remember the first three, the first one being reconciliation, the second one being revelation, and the third one being recognition, that gets us going in the right direction. Now, this next week, chances are, you're gonna be around people that you agree with and people that you don't agree with. You're gonna have time to sit and relax and there's gonna be awkward silences at times and there's gonna be confusion, I'm gonna ask you to do this. And this may be hard for us. Seek what you have in common and grow the conversation from there. And what you have in common are those three things that we just mentioned. Reconciliation that God wants. Back to the community, back to family, back to Him. Revelation of who God is and who God is through us. And of course, the recognition of our desire to obey God. Start with those three things and say, hey, what is God revealing to you today? We're so glad that you're back together with us. And do you recognize the things that God is doing in your life and the way that you need to follow him and I need to follow him? Maybe those are the conversation starting points that will help us transcend some of the strangeness that has been 2020 and some of the division that could very possibly happen. And maybe this is not an issue. Maybe you are just going to feast together. In the midst of that feasting, 
I would remind you that as followers of Christ, we always come together to honor him. So do that. Grow the kingdom of God through your thanksgiving, through the meal, through the recreation, through your time off, and see what God has for you. We're almost done with this year. We're headed towards the end. Things aren't miraculously going to change in 2021, but I will say this. We're looking forward to starting anew, and it begins today. So as you pray together, as you eat together, as you fellowship together, may God be with you. May his countenance shine upon you. And may you not only eat well, but may you love well. Let's bow our heads. Gracious God, your mercy, oh, it's all around us. Thank you for reconciling us to you. Not through acts that we've done, but because you went out to find us. Thank you for revealing yourself in so many ways. And Lord, may you continue to reveal yourself through us in the way that we love one another. And lastly, Lord, may we recognize the provision that you've granted us. And also may we recognize the ability that we have to obey you. We pray these things in your holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.